This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode 167. Today I got to hang out with our sleep consultant, Kristen Young. We dove into the signs that your child is ready to drop a nap. Naps are a topic that we get so many questions about, especially under 18 months, because everything changes so fast. You know, just when you feel like you've gotten it nailed down, you're like, yes, we figured it out. They're shifting and they're showing you they're ready to drop a nap and there's a change and it can just all feel really overwhelming. So Kristen and I hung out to outline this for you. How do you know when your kiddo is ready to drop a nap? If you want our ultimate guide to naps, head on over to seedandso.org slash sleep dash courses and snag the sleep course that works best for your kiddo's age and we will send you our ultimate nap guide. If you purchase the course between now and April 18th, we'll send you over that guide totally for free as a bonus. Head on over to seedandso.org slash sleep dash courses. All right, folks, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey everyone, welcome back to Voices of Your Village. Today I get to hang out with our sleep consultant, Kristen. Kristen joined our team at the end of 2020. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Kristen's been a part of the village for a while. And as our sleep program grew, it was nice to bring somebody in from the village who knows the ropes here and understands one thing that's really, I think, separate from our sleep programs is the focus on sensory systems. It's something that I found 
missing in a lot of other programs that plays such a huge role in sleep. So Kristen came on board with us already having a bunch of knowledge around sensory systems and we trained her and she's off to the races and I'm excited for you guys to get to hear from her. Today we're going to chat about nap transitions and how you know that a kid is ready to drop a nap. We'll be focusing largely here in that first 18 months. It's generally when we are seeing all this happen. <laughs> and I feel like it's one of those things, Kristen, where like it just, it changes so fast. <laughs> yeah, it feels like as soon as you get used to one routine and set schedule, then they're ready to move on to the next one. Totally, <laughs> totally. Kristen, can you share a bit about kind of who you are in, in your family unit? Uh, sure, yeah, so I'm a mom to two boys. Um, my oldest is four and a half and my youngest is two and a half. And we're actually expecting our third and final child in September. And yeah, I really became super interested in sleep when we had some struggles with our oldest and I was pregnant with my youngest. And I just totally feel for parents because there's nothing like being sleep deprived and feeling like there's so many different options and answers out there on Google. And really it can just be so helpful to have a person to talk to, to help guide you through the decisions of how to help your babe get good sleep. Yeah, totally. And I think that it's one of those things where often there are these one size fits all programs, right? Yes. Where it's like, we're doing it this way or we're doing it this way. And we aren't one size fits all humans. <laughs> no. And you know what I loved about the seed program too, is like, we did use a sleep consultant and they were awesome. And like, we were able to get great sleep for Avery, but I never remember even learning about wake windows or sleep pressure, which is like the game changer until I discovered seed on Instagram and you and I got to chatting and that literally set Smith up for success. And he's been an amazing sleeper since he was like four or five months old. Knowing that information is just huge. And yeah. I can't believe more people don't know about it. Totally. Well, I think so often we treat be behavior of sleep. Definitely. You know, What's like reason for this. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're like, how do we respond to the cries? And we're so focused on mm -hmm. the behavior. And mm -hmm. I'm just as a human, I'm like a I'm not a band-aid on a bullet hole kind of gal. Like I'm a root of the problem kind of person. Same. And yeah, so that just like never has felt good to me in general in behavior with kids, whether it's in yeah. sleep or in everyday life. I want to know, like, oh, what's going on here? So when we're looking at naps, I want to look at like, how do we know what's going on here? Because like we said, it changes so much so fast, right? They come out of the womb and their sleep is vastly different in six months, in nine months, in a year from then. Mm -hmm. And right when you feel like you've got a grip on something, it can be like, oh, and it's changing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it can be really discouraging to parents who, especially I remember in that like three month time when like, they, I like to say they trick you and they start sleeping like long chunks at night and you feel like you're getting this routine of maybe some sort of like four or five regular-ish naps and then all of a sudden they turn four months and the circadian rhythm kicks in and you're like, wait, what was happening here? And then that chaos only lasts for a couple of months until they get into like the solid two nap schedule. And it's just like I said earlier, every time you think you have it, under control in those first 18 months, something is just always changing. And when you set out with that expectation, I think it's a lot easier to manage. It's still hard to, you know, go with less sleep than you're used to, but knowing that, okay, this period of time is going to be 
temporary and it's going to change and we're going to adapt and everything's going to be okay. I think that helps make it a lot easier. And I don't think parents are set up with that in the beginning to know that, you know? Absolutely. I think that's so true. We're so focused on like, how's the baby sleeping? Do they have a schedule? Do they have a routine? And the reality is that schedule and routine might be changing so much that, yeah, I I agree. I don't think folks are set up with that idea of like, this is temporary. And one thing that I love about our programs and that for me feels so important about them is that you have access to our courses for a chunk of time and access to um, our private group to continue to ask questions. You were just saying you had a consultation this week where this family had come in and they had like created a plan and they, it worked really well for their kiddo. And now it's a few weeks later and all of a sudden he's showing signs of wanting to drop a nap and what was working before isn't working. And it's important to me that we provide a program where folks can pop right back in for free and just say like, Hey, what we did before is no longer working and I need help troubleshooting this. (laughs) And be able to ask those questions because there are so many changes. I think especially in that like five to 23 month window, which is our most popular course, not shocking because there's so many changes there. I think it makes Mm -hmm. sense to have help. So when you looked at say like this kiddo this week, what were some things that you saw that you were like, Ooh, I think he might be ready to go from those three naps down to two. Yeah. So this kiddo was doing really well. They, this family started some sleep interventions a couple of weeks ago. We had a call with them and like walk them through what steps they wanted to take as a family to help their kiddo get some independent falling asleep happening. And so they were doing that for a couple of weeks and having some really nice solid chunks of like five, six hours. This is a nursing babe. So they were sleeping for like five, six hours at the beginning of the night and then waking up to nurse. But then all of a sudden that just stopped. And simultaneously, they were having a really hard time getting that third cat nap in. Either it was happening like way too late and they need to cut it at like 10, 15 minutes. Or, you know, they also noticed that naps throughout the day were getting kind of short because timing was all off. Like in the morning, he wasn't quite ready to nap at his normal time because he's ready to extend his wake windows and have longer chunks. So we started seeing shorter naps. having a really hard time getting that last nap in and then falling asleep at bedtime was hard. And we noticed, or they noticed that their babe was waking up, you know, every couple of hours because they were maybe tired enough to fall asleep, but they didn't have enough sleep pressure build up to stay asleep. Yeah. That's so helpful. I think identifying those things as like, these are things you might see um, mm-hmm. as kind of like warning signs. And And it's tough because that cat nap at the end of the day when they're on three naps, so generally around like five-ish months, and some kiddos will hold on to three naps up to eight months. Some kiddos are ready for two naps closer to six months. And it's hard to know, um, that. but that last cat nap is one of those where rarely will they take it like in a crib or in a sleep space off of a human body. It's usually one of those where we're like, get it where you can get it. Yeah. It's usually (laughs) a nap that's difficult to get anyway. So it can be confusing to parents. So we like to say, try to notice a pattern. Is this something that you're seeing more resistance than usual or the way that that second nap happens and it extends that by the time you'd be able to fit a cat nap in, it would mess up bedtime. Like those are some signs that you're probably ready to drop it. Yeah, I love it. I think that's so helpful. We also suggest to parents that like, if you feel like maybe they're ready to try dropping a nap, you can try it for a couple of days and see how they respond at night. Usually three or four days, you should notice some sort of improvement. And if you haven't, then 
you definitely can hop back to the schedule you were on before. And maybe there's some sleep pressure adjusting that needs to happen or something else that you need to look at to see what's causing the disruptions at nighttime. Yeah. I think it's so important to note that flexibility that like, once you make a change, it doesn't mean you have to stick with that. We were talking about that actually on the call this week, they were like, well, what happens if, you know, we try to extend the morning wait time and then that nap is kind of short. And then the second nap falls short. What do we do? Do we move bedtime up by like a couple hours? We're like, don't worry for the next couple of weeks as your babe is adjusting. It's okay. If some days there's three naps and some days there's two, you just want to be consistent in trying to make two work. And if there's a day that you need to pop one in so you can make it to bedtime, then you do what you have to do. It can take like seven to 20 days for them to adjust fully to a new schedule. Totally. And you brought up something that I think is really important to note there that the amount of time that they're asleep, like that length of the nap is not as important as the amount of time that they're awake. Can you speak to that a bit there as people might be making these transitions or trying out, like, (laughs) is my kiddo ready to drop that nap? Yeah. So sometimes people are hung up on like, oh, I need my kid to have this like two hour nap in the morning, two hour nap in the afternoon. And then we have so much time before bedtime. And some kids just have less sleep needs. As long as you're following the wake windows and your kid's not getting overtired, then you can have success. So if you're able to match your schedule to kind of align with that two hours-ish awake in the morning before the first nap, three hours awake-ish after that first nap before the second, And then we can usually see about four hours when we're on that two nap schedule. That can be really helpful. It doesn't matter how long the naps are, as long as you're able to fit your babe's schedule to accommodate those wake windows. Yeah, totally. And I think that that for me, like is such a relief with the flexibility of like, okay, that means that if we have something going on or if a kiddo has like two really rough naps for the day, I can mm-hmm. squeeze a cat nap in to protect so that they're not awake for too long, protect that bedtime. Totally. And then that's okay. You know, that like, it doesn't have to be like every day they're on two naps. They can sometimes be yeah. on three, as long as we're paying attention to how long they are awake rather than how long they sleep. And that also means that you aren't like change to this nap at 10, nap at one, like it can be flexible. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash voices. Hormone Harmony is an all-in-one hormonal balancing solution for women of all ages. 
Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormone changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormone Harmony is perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put your life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all these things. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code VILLAGE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code VILLAGE for 15% off today. Tiny human sleep can feel like such a doozy to figure out. Maybe your first kid was totally different than your second kid, or you've hit Google and found such conflicting advice. We've got your back over at Seed. We have sleep courses for newborns, five to 23 month olds, and two to five year olds. We broke them up into different ages and stages so that we can support you with developmentally appropriate ways to help your tiny human get optimal sleep. This is a shame-free, judgment-free space where we have folks who are navigating sleep in all different ways. It is not one size fits all. Your child is unique and your family unit is unique. Everybody's going to have unique sensory profiles and different sleep needs. Our sleep courses guide you through creating a plan unique to your child. We look at the foundational skills, take a look at biology and what's going on beneath the surface so that your tiny human can get restorative sleep, which is huge for immune function and emotional development, for regulation and the ability to thrive throughout the day. You don't have to do this alone. We're here to support you. And if you snag one of our sleep courses right now, between now and Sunday, April 18th, you get access to our ultimate guide to addressing nap challenges, a bonus that's only available right now. You also get entered into win the chance to get your biggest sleep question answered by our sleep team. You'll get a five minute voice memo with your answer. Head on over to seedandso.org slash sleep dash courses to find the course that's right for your child's age group and get in on these bonuses now. Seedandso.org slash sleep dash courses. You do not have to do this alone. I actually remember when I was just a villager reaching out to you, we were in like a travel situation or something. I think we went to visit in-laws. This was pre-pandemic and my son was still on a two-nap schedule, I think, but the way that things had gone as it always does is we had planned for travel during nap time and the nap in the car was too short and I didn't want to have to put him to bed way too early and miss out on time with his cousins and I figured there's no way he's going to go to sleep anyway with all that excitement and you told me to 
put him to bed like when it would be his bedtime based on wake windows, but just let him sleep for like 15 minutes. So I did that, woke him up and then put him down to bed at his normal bedtime and he slept fine. He just needed a little bit of help to make it to bedtime just to kind of shorten that, um, that like break in his bank where he needed, he wasn't going to make it otherwise. He needed something to just add some sleep to his tank to make it to bed. And that was so successful. So it's nice to, for parents to know that they have those options to be flexible. Yeah, it is so helpful. It's so comforting. Um, and, and, and because like what works maybe for a first kid, when you might have way more flexibility in your schedule, like that might not be the same schedule you have for a second kid. And you might not be able to, you might feel nap trapped, (laughs) you know? And so like having that flexibility of less importantly is the length of the nap and more importantly is the length of awake time and being mindful of that I think is so comforting so we're looking at this dropping of a nap we've talked about there that the like three to two naps which generally falls between six and eight months for kiddos that most kiddos by the time they're eight months have moved to two naps and and I feel like such a great transition too because I remember personally like the newborn stage to me is not that hard. They're falling asleep like whenever they want. You can kind of be on the go, but then when they're on that three nap schedule, it's a little bit trickier to try to manage. You feel like you're kind of relegated to watching their wake windows and it can be so unpredictable. But then when they do settle into that two nap schedule, it is a little bit more predictable. It is typically around the same times each day, especially if you wake your kid at the same time. That's one thing that we do recommend that can help maintain those wake windows at similar times just for predictability. But again, you have flexibility there. Um, So yeah, I definitely felt like dropping to two naps was such a relief. And then when you drop down to one, that's even easier. You just have one great nap that you look forward to. (laughs) Totally. And that's the like, oh, it's such a mindset shift. When I was teaching infants, I had a classroom of seven babies and my, yeah, right. (laughs) Um, My oldest I can so vividly remember we most, all my kids were on a two nap schedule and they were all older infants at this point. And my oldest had like, was entering into like young toddlerhood and mm-hmm. putting them all down for their nine o'clock nap, which for me was like, ah, oh, I got to like breathe and have coffee and recharge for a minute. And then I knew like we'd be up for about three hours and I'd get another little break. And I like loved that two nap schedule so much. And I remember putting my oldest in the crib and her just standing there and say, no nap. And she would literally just say, no nap standing and looking at me and me being like, no. (laughs) And that's the thing about kids is some of them tell you they're ready right away. Just like this baby that we had in the call, they're showing signs. Others you might be getting to that end of the range and you need to do some active work to get them to, to move on from those naps. Maybe because it is affecting nighttime sleep yeah. and they're not showing really that they're ready during the day. Sometimes you have to kind of force that on them. Yeah. So it can be hard. You really just have to get to know your kid and, and what they need. That's a good note that sometimes you won't see it during the day, but you will see it at night that sometimes maybe during the day they're holding steadfast to those naps, but it's really messing with nighttime. Actually, my best friend recently reached out and she has a kiddo who is on that younger end of the spectrum, like dropped down to two naps Mm -hmm. younger than most like it and now is just turning one or just turned one and her naps during the day were fine. What we were seeing was overnight. She was like, she is just like up. 
she had been sleeping through the night, like what is going on? And so we looked at development a little bit and like troubleshot some other things. And then was like, you know what? I, I She was on the earlier end of the spectrum for drop into two naps. I wonder if she's ready. And they just dropped down to one, uh, they just dropped it down and consolidated it for her nap wise. And I just got a message from her husband yesterday that was like, oh my gosh, we're sleeping through the night again. <laughs> like, awesome. uh, But like the overnights is where we might see it and we might not see it during the day. And so when we're dropping down to one nap from, and they're not showing those signs, like, like the little girl standing in the crib with nap resistance at 9am, it's easy for me to push her nap because she's not asking for one, you know? Right. But when they're not doing that independently, yeah, how are some ways that we can kind of pull that together so that we don't have an overtired babe either? Totally. Yeah. What I can say too, is this just happened with Smith, my son, who's two and a half, and he's been solidly on one nap for a while. And I don't plan to get rid of it until he's totally (laughs) showing me that he is done with the nap. But we noticed we are on like such a late schedule now because of pandemic. Like my kids don't go to bed till like nine, nine 30, but they sleep till like eight 39. It's wonderful. I'm not complaining at all, but everything has shifted. And so he was going down for a nap around two and sleeping until four, which was working awesome for him for the longest time. And then all of a sudden we started seeing like he was fighting going to bed at 930 a little bit. We're like, we cannot push this kid's bedtime to 10 o'clock. Like we have to work. He's home and can wake up whenever he wants with the sitter, but we have got to get things on track. So he was resisting bedtime a little bit. And then we'd notice after like two hours, he'd be awake. And then like two hours later, he'd be awake again. And so instead of dropping the nap, we just cap it now. So sometimes it's just as much as all you need to do is just look at the length of a nap too, because sometimes they still need the nap, but it could be too long and too much sleep can interfere with nighttime sleep as well. So that's something that you can look out for too. Even when they are on a two nap or a three nap schedule, sometimes you might need to be capping naps if they still do need those naps at those times to maintain sleep pressure and not get overtired. You can look at capping naps as well. Yeah, that's really helpful to note for sure. I think especially for those um, one nappers, we see that where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, they're ready to drop the nap. And often we'll see folks drop a nap too soon when really we just needed to shorten. Um, right. And like he could have gone like sometimes if we weren't paying attention, it'd be like 415, 430, we'd go and he'd be sound asleep. Like he could have slept for three hours if we let him, but he just, he didn't need it for overnight sleep and it was affecting Overnight sleep is definitely way more restorative and important. So we just experimented with seeing what worked and shortening that daytime nap is what helped. And he's been doing awesome since. So I like to recommend that to parents too, if they feel like, especially in the later toddler years when they still do kind of need that nap, but it seems like things are going off the rails. Like, is it time to drop? My kid's so young. Like, no, try shortening first before you see if they need to get rid of it entirely. Yeah, we see this a lot with kids in childcare too, as they enter into the preschool years, a lot of childcare programs have naps way too late for most families. Oh my gosh, that happened with my oldest also. I don't think they started the nap until like one in the afternoon. Yeah. And we were all, this was pre-pandemic. So we were all on like a seven, seven thirty bedtime kind of thing. And he just was not tired. Yeah. But then you push things back and then it doesn't align with when you have to have wake time. So that can be a really tricky situation. I know really a lot tricky. of kids have success like asking daycare to cap the nap if they have to allow the kid to sleep at all. Yeah. And like a, a lot of those kids still need a nap, but for me yeah. that was that was really my push too was like all right, if childcare isn't going to move the nap 
earlier, a lot of them are one to three. And I get it. Yeah, Yeah, I get it. I taught preschool like it. So much of our schedule is it's really set in stone and and it who's covering breaks and when we as teachers get lunches and all that factors into when nap time is. It's a whole system. Yep. And Um, his had like AM and a PM program. So by the time AM left, that's when they were taking a nap was like at one o'clock. Yeah, totally mm -hmm. get it. Yeah. And so there might not be a whole lot of flexibility with childcare, but one of the things when you're seeing a kiddo who is maybe taking that one to three nap at school, and then they're resisting bedtime is to be able to just cap it, even if they get an hour or even just a half hour at school, um, the teacher isn't going to love it because they're going to be waking up a kid, uh, which is not a, not a fan favorite <laughs> thing to do, um, but it'll protect your overnights. Mm-hmm. And they can still, I know at my son's preschool, he was able to like wake up as long as it took him to wake up and he'd snuggle with his stuffy and look at some books quietly. And then there was also plenty of kids in the room who were way beyond needing a nap and they would just be on their mat quietly. So I think if you just have to have that conversation with your daycare, they can be understanding. They don't always have a lot of room, but as far as like capping a nap and giving an option for a quiet time, a lot of times they do have wiggle room there. Totally. All right. So when we're looking at dropping these naps, we've talked about maybe nap resistance that we would see like the little girl in my room who's standing up or that third nap where they're resisting it. Generally, I see it in either that first nap or the last nap of the day. Yes. Where you'll see that resistance. And we talked about potentially seeing it in overnights where we're seeing a lot of wake ups, even though it seems like nothing else has changed. Yes. So a lot of times you can see resistance at bedtime when a kid was typically going down without a problem, sleeping independently, they had no problem. You'd be like, I love you. Good night. And things (laughs) would be going smoothly. And then all of a sudden they're fighting. It's taking them 40, 50, 60 minutes to fall asleep when normally it takes them like 15 to 20. That can be a huge sign that they just have too much sleep in their tank and they are probably ready to drop one of those naps or shorten naps. Yeah. And I, I like to think of this, like if you were an adult and you weren't really that tired and somebody was like, and fall asleep and you're like, okay, but I can't. And like, just like the pressure of that, of like, no, fall asleep now. And now I'm going to watch you on a monitor and see if you're asleep yep. <laughs> Come in yeah. and check on you. <laughs> yep. Um, and just like, think about those times you ever just like, I'm sure right now being pregnant, you lay down just to rest and then you fall asleep and then it's bedtime. You're like, come on, I can't fall asleep. Like that's what's happening to our kids when they're having naps that they don't need anymore is they might feel tired and they'll fall asleep for that nap. But then when it goes to be bedtime, they're wide awake or they might fall asleep for a little bit and then wake up after that first sleep cycle and have a hard time sinking to the next one. Cause they really just took bedtime as a little cat nap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, It's funny, although like right now, so we're recording this obviously before it's airing, but we're batching out these episodes, but I'm currently 37 weeks pregnant. And now I feel like I could fall asleep at any time and still go to bed at night. (laughs) I feel like first trimester and third trimester is like, you can sleep whenever you want and it's still never enough. (laughs) Totally. Um, I was actually voice messaging with Rach the other day and I was laying on my living room floor, like stretching while we were voice messaging back and forth. And then all of a sudden I just like woke up in a puddle of my own drool. Uh, (laughs) Zach came in, he had just like cleaned up dinner. Like, are you okay? He came in and was like, are you asleep? And I was like, I was, this is true. I was stretching and talking to Rach, but nope, then I was asleep. (laughs) But that is not how it works for tiny humans. 
Okay, so we have bedtime resistance, nap time resistance, bedtime overnights. One more thing that I don't think is often associated with this, but can be, is that early morning wake starting to happen. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is actually what got us kickstarted with needing a sleep consultant with our oldest. We had all those other troubles as well, but the early mornings was just so brutal. In my daytime life, I'm an elementary school art teacher. And so when Avery was having his biggest sleep troubles. I was in my first trimester of pregnancy with my second working at a really difficult school. I had to be there super early. And those like four or 5 a.m. wake-ups were absolute torture. There was nothing we could do to get him to go back to sleep. I mean, eventually we figured it out once we learned about sleep pressure and things like that, how to answer and respond to him consistently. But I was just like, I can't survive this. I don't know what to do. There's something about when they wake up between like one and three, that feels a little bit more manageable to me. But when it's like those early mornings and then you yourself, you don't have time to go back to sleep. You're like, I might as well just get up and start my day. Oh, I feel for parents that are stuck in that early wake up cycle. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. It's so rough. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> yeah, we, I was just chatting with Erica who's on our team and her little one had this morning woke up at four 30 and she was just like, all I said to her was, this is not morning time. And she's like, that's literally what my body felt was just like, no, uh-huh. I know it feels like morning time for you. tiny. Yes. <laughs> this is not morning time. And I think that's how it feels for us. We're like, no, like there's always, I think for depending on your cultural context or your family unit schedule, there's a time on the clock that for you feels like, this is morning time. I can accept this as morning 
even yeah. though like, yeah, you know, you might not, not be sleeping in, but like, yeah. I can accept this time. And then anytime before that, you're like, this is not going to work for me. <laughs> and like you said, there's sleep is not one size fits all. My husband can totally manage on like six or seven hours. I need nine hours of sleep. Do I ever get that anymore? Having two young kids? Hardly ever. But like anytime before seven to me doesn't feel like it's okay to wake up. For some people, like they rise at five and they're just happy to do that. For most people, 4 a.m. is not that time. So when your kid (laughs) is waking up at 4 a.m., that can be so hard. And you know what? Your babe doesn't want to be up that early either. Yeah, it makes for a long, hard day. So when we're seeing those early morning wake-ups, I think it's hard to connect like, oh, this could be naps. But can you talk about like why that could be naps? Kind of like what's happening throughout the day, potentially if kiddos are ready to drop a nap, but aren't resisting naps or their nap schedule hasn't really changed throughout the day, but we are seeing that early morning wake up. How could those be connected? Yeah. So those could be connected because like I mentioned before, you have a little tank would be like to call. And when you have too much sleep, then when you're full and you've slept through the night, maybe 10, 11 hours, which is pretty typical for most kids that could get you somewhere around four or 5 AM. And then they're ready to go. They might not be super happy about it, but They have had enough sleep that they're able to be awake at that time. And that can really affect things, especially a lot of times we see when kids drop a nap, their bedtime adjusts a little bit because now they have a little bit of a longer wake window. So if you're still having quite an early bedtime, it's pretty typical when their sleep needs reduce that if they're going to bed at like 637, they might wake up at 5, 536 if you're not quite ready for them to be up at that time um, because they've just had too much sleep. So that's something to be aware of too. If you're noticing like out of the blue morning wakeups yeah. way than you're used to, and there's nothing else going on. Like you have noise machine on, it's not light leaking through the windows, things right. like that. Yeah, that's true. Like sometimes it's like summertime. People are like, why are they waking up? I'm like, well, we got to look at what's coming mm-hmm. in in the morning. Cause that sun is yep. now coming in. That's a shift here for us, for sure. In Vermont, where we go from, like, we don't see the sun for so many months in the winter time yep. <laughs> that it's almost like, oh, right. That exists. Uh, and I even in. noticed that Smith slept in our bed last night, like I was telling you, and my room is way less dark than his room is. So he was up at eight o'clock this morning. He usually doesn't wake up till nine. He's not a happy camper today, but there's just a lot more light leaking in here. So when he roused a little bit, he was like, oh, it's time to get up. And I was Mm -hmm. like, no, it's not when you usually get up, but it can really make a difference. Yeah. I also love that you've noted that his sleep schedule is like what I think for a lot of Americans here in the States, generally there's this message that actually drives me bonkers that you have to be on like a seven to six or seven 30 to six and that there's a specific time. And I think it's so culturally ignorant. And yeah, I remember thinking that I remember any time that our kids were getting to bed past like eight being like, oh my goodness, this is too late. And it is too late if your kid needs to be up at six or seven or, you know, five thirty or six or something right. because you have daycare needs or you need to get out of the house for work. Like that is too late then. But right now, like he, we are fortunate enough that we have a sitter in our house so he can wake up whenever he pleases. Right. And we have him wake up at nine every day to maintain consistency. So his sleep pressure stays on point. But yeah, we just kind of shifted that way as both my husband and I were home during the pandemic. And then I'm a teacher. So it shifted right into summertime and it works out for us. So 
parents should know, like if you don't have constraints because of your schedule and what time your kid needs to wake up in the morning, if a later bedtime works for you guys and you're maintaining those wake windows, then you don't need to feel like you're doing something wrong. Totally. And we've worked over the years with a number of like medical professionals, doctors, or um, law enforcement folks, folks who aren't on like a nine to five during the day Mm -hmm. and want to be able to see their kids at different times. And I I think it's really important to know, and I'm glad that you've just pointed out just that your kid's schedule is later because that's what works for your family unit. And, and that you noted that you then had to shift naps. Like it's not that because when they go to bed later, they're going to have to shift their whole schedule so we can maintain those wake windows, but that you can have different times there. You know what, we actually, like, I don't think that we all need to be chained to our kids' schedules, but it is in everybody's best interest to try to maintain them as much as possible and actually work, like, right around the corner from my mom. I work at my alma mater, and so she watches my kids on Fridays, and she suggests, like, why don't you bring them up with you in the morning on Fridays? And I was like, well, if I did that, I'd have to wake the kids up two hours earlier. And if I do that one day, then I am going to have to adjust their schedule the rest of the week. And I'm just not willing to do that. So we go up on Thursday nights and sleep over. And the kids love that. But it's a minor adjustment that I had to make that I was able to make. But otherwise, really, like a two hour difference one day really would mean I'd have to adjust everything for the rest of the week. It would really throw things off for sure. Yeah. Um, And it just means, and as you said before, with like traveling or whatever, we can have flexibility with naps. Um, And and you do have to then adjust. We have to have to pay attention to those wake windows and be like, ah, mm-hmm. are they going to be awake too long here? Should we get a little cat nap in? Things like that. Yep. All right. I feel like we, is there anything I'm missing for when we might see that they're ready to drop a nap? No, I mean, what you said is kids are usually on like a four nap from four to five months till about six to eight months. Again, it can vary from kiddo to kiddo. You might have your first kiddo that didn't drop until eight months. And that could be because you were the only they only had your attention. And then maybe your second kiddo is ready to drop around six months because they're able to be a little bit more flexible. And then kids are usually dropping to two naps sometime around six to eight months and hold on to that sometime between like 12 and 15 months. It can be later. It can be earlier. You just have to watch your kid. And then we typically see kids with one nap around like 12 to 15 months to like three years. Some kiddos hold on to a nap through five years. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what your kids need. Some kids at those, in those preschool years do a nap like every couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so helpful to note. And, and we, I highly recommend when you do have those preschoolers rolling nap time right into quiet time. As soon as like you're making that transition, just adjust right to that so that that's a norm and a predictable routine because they do need that downtime, um, that sensory readjustment, that separation from you for a little bit, that time away from siblings if you're at home. It's really, really beneficial. Yeah, a little sensory deprivation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Actually, when I first started teaching, I was uh, in New York City and the New York State law was that we had to have kiddos under five had to have an hour of quiet time every day even if they weren't sleeping but like Mm -hmm. it was required for us at school to make sure they had an hour of that downtime to just refill that sensory bank my oldest son every day I've already been thinking about is when this new baby comes eventually Smith and Ava are going to share a room and I'm like Smith is still going to be napping but Avery like thrives on quiet time he loves it he's so he, he's a kid that can play independently all day long. He does play great with his brother, but he like thrives on getting his time 
I'm like, how am I going to manage this? I'm going to have to like move Abe's quiet time somewhere because I know he loves it and he needs yeah. it. And he does it for an hour. Sometimes he'll go even longer. Like, can I still keep playing? I'm like, go for it, bud. Like, whatever you want to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that was something for sure at school too for kiddos who have kiddos in childcare for these naps. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, what I would do if if there maybe if folks are finding like their their kids having a hard time with this we created nap bags where like on their nap mat, they, they had, and it was the only time they got their back, this bag. So it was kind of like a special thing. And it was all quiet things they could do. It was puzzles or maybe their favorite book. And they could, they would help us fill their bags with oh, what was going really to be awesome. Yeah. And it, it was something that a lot of kids like really did look forward to. Mm-hmm. Avery has all his Legos in his room and it's like really a pain in the butt to take them out as we have like one of those Ikea trofasts with the drawers. So it really is something that he only gets to play in his room. And while he does play with them some other times throughout the day, like that's really his time to do that uninterrupted without a little brother, like wrecking Mm -hmm. creations, or he'll like bring some of his arts and crafts stuff up. He has a chalkboard wall. Like he just goes to town in there. That's awesome. Such nice downtime for him. Well, if folks want more sleep support and feel like they need more guidance on this, we have a free sleep guide at so.org slash sleep. And we have sleep courses available for, we break it up into different ages and stages. So we can support you um, within your child's age or stage. Our goal is that if you were to get the five to 23 month course, you're set up with tools for success so that you aren't then having to buy the two to five year course. We actually used to do them all as one and it was a higher cost. And so we broke them in half, those, those two age groups in half so that we could drop the price and help you with more specifics for your age and stage. And that's at studentsorg slash sleep dash courses. And right now until April 18th, if you snag that bad boy, we have a bonus for you all about naps. It's a complete guide to naps and you're entered into when um, a, you can like reach out with your question and you'll get a voice memo back from our team. So that's happening right now from now until April 18th. If you snag one of our awesome. courses. I've already told all family and friends who do not have kids yet to expect to be given the newborn sleep course as a gift because (laughs) (laughs) yeah, the foundations that are in there just help lay you out for, or set you up for success. Totally. And thank you. It's something we actually, we're getting so many requests for, for like, can I put this on my registry or can I get this as a gift card? So we did add, if you go to our like homepage, right in the Um, navigation bar, you can click gift cards and you could add a gift card to a registry. You could get it for somebody. And yeah, that's something we recently added because we had so many requests for that. I mean, what's better than the gift of sleep? (laughs) Just so much misinformation out there, I think. And you mentioned something earlier about like just the pressure of like, is my baby sleeping is, and there's so much tied to like, are you being a good parent? Quote unquote if your baby is sleeping or not. And that has nothing to do with it. A lot of us just like, didn't know that you shouldn't let your newborn be awake for more than 90 minutes and they're overtired and they're crying and you don't know how to help them. You think it's something you're doing. Is it my milk supply? Are they hungry? Mm -hmm. And just to have that invaluable information to know what to expect, to know what's normal, to know it's okay to get that babe to sleep, however you need to during those first couple months. And you just worry about making sure they're not overtired. That's it. 
totally keep them alive keep them fed totally there are no bad habits you can hold that in fact that's like my favorite thing in the world Mm -hmm. (laughs) snuggling that sleepy newborn rad thank you so much for hanging out with me I'm so glad people get to get an insight into who you are Kristen here I feel like you are a little behind the scenes here at seed so I'm glad people got to learn more about you and if y'all If y'all snag courses, there's an option to add calls as well, but no matter what, you're entered into a private group where you get support from us. And Kristen is your gal in there. She's the gal who supports you in our private group and hops on a call with you if need be. And there are so many other amazing parents who have been through all of this. I just see great advice from other moms and dads and caregivers in the rested parents group. It just, sometimes I go on to answer a question and another parent has already answered it. And I just say, oh, love this empathy, way to help each other out. It's so nice to have that village, especially when so many of us can't have people in person right now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And to know that you're not alone in it. No, you are not alone. So many other people have gone through the exact same struggle that you're going through right now. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for hanging out with me, babe. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.